revealing the secrets of great public speaking. It's the Speak Fearless Podcast with Mark Westbrook. Welcome, welcome. Sit right down. Come on in. Pull up a pew. It's the Speak Fearless Podcast, Episode 9. You know, 10% of the population loves speaking in front of people. And another 10% are absolutely terrified. While 80% fall somewhere in between. So the question is, if you're in the 90% that don't love public speaking, what are you going to do when you have to speak at your daughter's wedding? At the next board meeting? Or the weekly presentations in your new job? What are you going to do? I'm Mark Westbrook, public speaking coach at Speak Fearless. I'm a leading presentation and public speaking coach with top clients like AG Bar and the Bacladi Distillery. I'm also a former professional acting coach. I've worked with everyone from beginners to Oscar winners and had clients from Bollywood to Hollywood, so I understand what makes for a great presentation performance. If you want to overcome a fear of public speaking and succeed at speeches and presentations, you've come to the right place. And I think if you listen to the end of today's podcast, you'll discover some practicable exercises, some things you can actually do, put in place today to help you overcome your fear of public speaking. Give me just over 20 minutes and you'll understand more about the mental obstacles preventing you from enjoying public speaking and make a start on overcoming them. Now, the problem is that we're not taught any of this stuff at school. I mean, we're expected in school, college, university, work to present, but we don't often get taught how to do it well. We go through life avoiding opportunities to speak, have a sick day, hide in the toilet, or pretend that there's an important phone call. Well, today I'm going to teach you some really simple, practical tools that will help you to get a grip on your public speaking fears right away. So let's get on with it. Subscribe to the Speak Fearless podcast now and never miss an episode. So the goal of today's session is to give you clarity on three mental obstacles that are preventing you from overcoming your public speaking anxiety and to give you practical exercises to deal with it right away. Our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Shakespeare Anyone can experience self-doubt. Self-doubt is on a continuum with our self-confidence. Self-doubt at one end, self-confidence at the other. When you experience more self-doubt, you experience less self-confidence. When you boost your confidence, your self-doubt shrinks. Self-doubt is strongly connected to your fear of failure. Self-doubt can appear at any time. But prior to presenting or speaking is the most common occurrence. It is also likely to appear when there's a stumble during the presentation. Even the very best speakers in the world can be affected by self-doubt. Self-doubt is the biggest confidence killer. While confidence makes us loose and energised, self-doubt makes us tight and tense. Confidence is belief in our abilities. Self-doubt is when that belief is impaired by our own thoughts. 
But you can learn to destroy doubt by reframing your thoughts. A thought is just a thought. It's neither true or false. But you can choose to see these things positively or negatively. And by reframing your doubts, you can counteract their effects on you and your work presentations. So try this exercise. First, identify your doubts. Make a list of the top five doubts you have about your presentation or public speaking abilities. Uh, I'm a, for example, I'm an introvert. I'm not a natural public speaker. I'm afraid of getting up in front of groups of people. Uh, I don't have the same amount of confidence as Jeff from accounts. I will probably make a fool of myself. And what if they don't like me? So I want you to now stop the podcast for a moment, if you can, unless you're driving, in which case, please do not stop the podcast. In fact, just keep driving. Okay, if you can stop, stop it and write down the five doubts you've got in your mind about public speaking. We'll now use a tool called reframing or cognitive reframing to give it its, its proper name. It's a tool for helping someone see things from a different perspective. The frame is the way the person views a certain situation and the meaning that they get from the perspective they have. When the frame is adjusted, reframing, the meaning changes with the point of view. So let's reframe a couple of those examples. I'm an introvert. I'm not a natural public speaker. Well, yes, I'm an introvert, just like about 50% of the population, and yet many of them are effective public speakers. This is because public speakers are made and not born. I'm afraid of getting up in front of people. When I get up in front of people, I get nervous too. But I know, but I know lots of people have a fear of public speaking, so it's only natural. I'll work to manage the symptoms of my anxiety in my mental preparation for this presentation. I don't have the same amount of confidence as Jeff in accounts or Brenda. We're all different, and Jeff and Brenda have a ton of public speaking experience because of their job. I have confidence in what I'm talking about, and the preparation that I'm doing for the presentation will give me more confidence. When I have the same amount of experience as Jeff and Brenda, my confidence will be even greater. You see how I'm rewriting that so that I'm answering it. I'm, 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 I'm choosing the perspective. This perspective, I don't have the same amount of confidence as Jeff and Brenda. It's, it's not real. It's just a thought. I'll probably make a fool of myself. Well, things go wrong all the time. But most people are very generous towards presenters, particularly nervous ones. What's the likelihood that I'll make a total fool of myself? Well, what is a fool anyway? The real fool will be someone who thinks they can just get up to the podium and just wing it. I've worked really hard to prepare for this presentation. What if they don't like me? Well, it's not possible to control whether somebody likes you or not. It's not relevant either whether they like you. And I'm not doing this to be liked. There are lots of friends in the audience, lots of good colleagues. I'll keep my focus on them. I'll do the best presentation I can, learn from the experience, and take feedback from trusted members of the audience. To reframe our doubts, we simply need to argue back on our own behalf. This reminds us that there is more than one perspective on a situation, and your mind starts to take your doubts less as something written in concrete, and more just like another thought to be considered. There are 
Six Stages of Belief and Belief Conquers Doubt Stage 1. I hope I can do well. Stage 2. Maybe I can do well. Stage 3. I think I can do well. Stage 4. I know I can do well. Stage 5. I believe I can do well. Stage 6. I will do well. One of the ways to help move down the stages of of belief towards confidence is to establish further foundations of confidence. Whenever you prepare yourself for presentation, you can ask yourself some of the following confidence-building questions. Out of ten, how much do you believe you can do well in the upcoming presentation? What could you do within your control to improve on that number today? What could you do to improve that number before the presentation? What is your current belief stage regarding the presentation? What is your plan to prepare for the presentation? What does success in the upcoming presentation look like to you? Describe it in detail. What's your main goal for the presentation? What's an acceptable level of success for this presentation? Have you built up any expectations that could be damaging your confidence? What's your motivation behind wanting to do well in this presentation? What have you done well in previous presentations? How will you look, act and feel on the day of the presentation? What are you telling yourself in your head about the upcoming presentation? What will you tell yourself on the morning of the presentation to support yourself that day? What will you tell yourself during the presentation? What will you tell yourself after the presentation? And if something goes wrong, what will you tell yourself then? Remember, confidence is whether you believe in or trust yourself. Start cultivating your insurmountable confidence by asking yourself some of those questions. Subscribe to the Speak Fearless podcast now and never miss an episode. You're telling yourself a story. We're all telling ourselves stories. We all have stories we tell ourselves, and I'm afraid those stories are usually bull. We shape our lives according to the script in our heads, and unless we can learn to change those stories, we may never find success. Now, telling stories is an important part of human culture. Stories are all around, from the cave paintings in Lascaux to Instagram reels. We tell stories to ourselves and to others, and other people tell us stories too. Marketing departments tell parents that if they want to make their children happy, they will buy them X. Most Western societies tell a story that successful people go to college. The business world tells us that successful leaders are great public speakers. Whoever gets to tell the story gets power over their listener. And this includes you over yourself. If you want to get good at something, if you want to achieve success in public speaking, you may need to take a look at the story you're telling yourself and perhaps change that story. I have a story to tell you. I had a client, a footballer, recently retired and moved into presenting. With little experience of working on camera, he told me he had started to tense up and become really rigid when he had to speak to the camera. He told me, I've played for my club and I've played for my country in front of thousands and thousands of people. I don't get it. I should be able to do this. It's ridiculous. The belief that with all of his playing experience, he should be able to do this, 
was creating a story that was inducing shame in him. That shame was piling more pressure onto him than the job itself. Many people find being in front of a camera stressful. When this player changed his working environment, it rattled him. But what was damaging him even more was the story he was telling himself. First, we worked together to change the story. We started with his relationship to the camera. I asked him to describe what he saw when he looked in the lens, and he said he imagined the thousands of people watching. I asked him if we could try it out. Indeed, he was stiff as a plank. I asked who was his best friend, someone who loved football too, and he named another player. I asked if, instead of presenting to the thousands, he could just have a chat with his buddy instead. Treat the camera like your buddy. Well, suddenly the story had changed. The camera was a friend, a mate, someone with whom he had history and rapport. It was like switching on a light. Suddenly he was filled with personality and life. What story are you telling yourself about your public speaking? What story are you telling the people around you? Will your boss ever send you to represent the company at a conference or a BNI if you're still telling the story that you're terrified of public speaking? One last story. A lawyer was asked to go to BNI networking group. She was terrified of the idea. So we worked together. We established what the critical elements of a good BNI experience would be for her. We made a list of 10 things. After the BNI, I called her to ask her about the event, and she said it had been a nightmare. I asked her to take me through the list of the 10 things of a good experience for her, and I asked her to tell me how many she had achieved. When she got to seven, she was laughing. Seven was the number we had defined as an outright success. It was not at all a nightmare, but she was telling herself a story that it had all gone wrong when it hadn't. Stories become your beliefs. Subscribe to the Speak Fearless podcast now and never miss an episode. Most people believe that self-confidence is a quality that you get when you're good at something. The word confidence comes from the Latin con plus fido, meaning with trust. Confidence comes from trusting yourself that you can do something. It's true that the better you are, the more likely you are to trust your own abilities. Without confidence, it's hard to be good at anything. Consider how you feel about the following sentences. If I do poorly in a presentation, it affects my confidence. If I do really well in a presentation, it affects my confidence. My confidence is based on my successes and failures. I have more confidence when I have lots of experience of something. Do you agree? Somewhat agree? Somewhat disagree? Completely disagree? Your responses should tell you something about your confidence in public speaking. If your confidence is easily affected by your success and failure, your confidence is reactive. Successful public speakers have proactive confidence. They have a mindset that doesn't dwell on mistakes or doubts. A reactive confidence can change from moment to moment, and doubts and negative thoughts frequently impact the quality of your presentations. Most people do have confidence when they have positive past experiences. The past is a well of evidence that proves to you you can do something. Let's just take a look at this idea. First, I'm going to give you a list. 
This is for a confidence which is proactive, within your control. The amount of preparation you do. The quality of your preparation. Receiving coaching for the event. Feeling confident on the day. Visualising a successful public speaking opportunity. Awareness of strengths. Thorough warm-up. Bouncing back from mistakes. Now, let's look at some of the others there. When you... When you're reactive, you tend to be affected by things that are not in your control. Whether the audience laugh, whether the audience enjoy it, whether it goes down well, the outcome, the, whether you're intimidated by the quality of other people there, the order of people speaking, a poor warm-up, letting mistakes derail you. Someone with Proactive self-confidence isn't concerned with things in that list. Whenever someone struggles with their confidence, when they're filled with self-doubt, I ask them some of the following questions. These are aimed at reminding and reiterating the individual's strengths. So ask yourself these questions. What would you say was your greatest strength as a person, as a professional, and as a speaker? Positive comments have you heard from others about your speaking? What have you done in your industry of which you're most proud? What can you say about your training as a speaker that will give you confidence? What would you say about your work ethic? If you took a positive perspective, how would other industry professionals describe your work? Self-confidence often comes from how you interpret what has occurred. Your thoughts become your beliefs and those beliefs transform into reality and from there you make decisions and take actions based on them. The things we think become our reality and that affects our behaviour. You tend to believe your thoughts and lay them down like tracks to follow. Those tracks then guide the decisions and choices you make. It's impossible to have self-confidence if the tracks you've laid are negative. If we want to build self-confidence, it is at this construction stage in our thinking that we must lay different tracks. Your inner critic is often responsible for generating a lot of negative thoughts. It's trying to save you from embarrassment of failure, but in doing so, it's almost always ensuring failure. There are some tools that can help you defeat the inner critic in this situation. One of the exercises I use is called a pizza pie. It allows you to consider different elements before making beliefs. Imagine you're walking in the street and you see a good friend. You wave. But even though they're looking directly at you, they don't wave. They just turn away. Why did it happen? Well, possibly because they hate you. Possibly because they genuinely didn't see you. Possibly because the sun was in their eyes. Possibly because they have a lot going on in their lives and they didn't register you. Possibly that they were late for an important meeting at the doctor or the bank. Possibly that they have found out some dark secret about you and want to keep away from you at all costs. Possibly. Now, if you go back through that list and and, and think of the, the reasons in order of likelihood that they are accurate, what you quickly realize is that 
Some of these are possible, but some aren't likely. But when you use the pizza pie exercise, we call it pizza pie, by the way, because um, you usually draw a big circle and then you, you put sort of slices through it like a pizza and you write one, uh, you write one of these thoughts in each, each one of the sections. I probably should have explained that up front. So when you do that, you, you quickly realise that there's many reasons why something could have happened. Imagine you're giving a presentation and it didn't go well. There is not much audience reaction, no laughter. The energy of the audience is very low afterwards. Imagine you've drawn a pizza pie on a sheet of paper with all the slices. What are the eight reasons this could have happened? Let me give you my eight. One of the reasons it could have happened is the audience just didn't enjoy the presentation. The audience might have been hungry, as it happened just before lunch. The speaker before you had great news to deliver and you had to deliver bad news. Your jokes weren't correctly chosen to meet this particular audience. Your audience analysis hasn't led you to know the right jokes to tell. The topic wasn't as relevant to this audience as as you thought it was. You didn't prepare as well as you could. You're a terrible presenter and the audience hate you. Now, as you go back through that list and you think about the order of likelihood that they're accurate, you quickly find some proof that there's a number of different reasons and all of them can be equally true, but none of them should determine your confidence. This is my daddy's podcast. Thank you, Anna. So let's recap. What were the main takeaways today? You can overcome your self-doubt. It's, it's already stolen way too many opportunities from you. You can reframe your thoughts in order to grow your confidence. The story you're telling yourself is a choice. Change the narrative and you will change the behaviour around that story. Write a new story. Write new behaviour. And overcome your fear of public speaking. Your self-confidence is a massive factor in success at anything. For historical reasons, you struggle with confidence when it comes to public speaking, but confidence is just a matter of self-belief. If you believe, you will achieve. If you doubt, you're out. Start believing in yourself with the exercises I've included here. Go back over the podcast when it's convenient and write down some of those questions and see if what your answers are. Well, that's it for this time, and if you're looking to improve your public speaking and presentation skills... You can get in touch with me at www.speakfearless.co.uk or drop me an email to hello at speakfearless.co.uk. Until next time, balance in all things. Take care. Have a lovely day. You've been listening to the Speak Fearless podcast. Head on over to speakfearless.co.uk now for more tips, training and advice on public speaking and business presentations.